0: Okay, welcome to our uh, second annual series of Bible and Beards. Um, last year, I think it was a great success and looking forward to do it again. In July, uh, Thursday, July 13th, we're going to have Father Rich, Richard Kunst here and he's going to talk about uh, the Weapon Tree of the Swiss Guards. <laughs> so, uh, only Father Rich could do that. Uh, yeah. And then um, in August, Thursday, August 17th, uh, Father Daniel Hammer, he's been ordained about a year, and he's studying canon law in Rome, so he's going to do a talk on canon law, um, and I had other priests that I'd asked to do uh, tonight, but their schedules didn't work out. Um, other priests might have, who have been, I think, even better uh, uh, qualified to speak on um, what I'm going to speak on tonight. But I, I think even uh, uh, I'll at least be able to do it justice, I think, mm-hmm. and you know, come away with something good. Um, so I'm going to talk about the rules for discernment of spirits. These come to us from St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was a Spanish saint born at the end of the 15th century. He is the founder of the Jesuits, the Jesuit Order, uh, Society of Jesus, also known as. He was a soldier and um, had a very magnanimous man, maybe you would say ambitious man, and he loved fighting. He was a soldier, and one fight between um, he, fighting for the for Spain and for a king uh, against the French, a cannonball came and busted his leg, and he had to have surgery, and it was laid up. And uh, Ignatius was such a vain man that he even had them like. Re break his leg and saw it because it was a little crooked and it wouldn't look good in the tights that <laughs> men from that age would have worn. Uh, and while he was in uh, recuperation, healing, uh, they didn't have much for him to do. You know, they, they didn't have Netflix, you know. they didn't have the radio. So he would read. And uh, a book on, you know, romance and knights doing great things. He had a a book like that, and then he also had uh, the lives of the saints and the lives of Christ. And he noticed something, which would kind of be the foundation of discernment of spirits, that when he read of the knights and doing great things, winning the princess, etc., while he read that, he had a desire to do the same thing. But he noticed that afterwards, pretty quickly, that desire kind of dissipated. Whereas he read about Christ and the lives of saints, Saint Dominic in particular and Saint Francis. He's like, wow, I want to do that. But that feeling, that desire endured even after stopping to stopping reading. And he decided that he ultimately would want to give his life not just for an earthly king, but for a divine king, for Christ. Um and he, he proceeded to a Benedictine shrine of Our Lady of Montserrat. And there he made a general confession, which is confession of his whole life. Um, he admits, says that he broke probably, he broke every commandment in his life. And he knelt all night in vigil before Our Lady's altar. And following the rites of chivalry, he laid his sword and knife on the altar went out and gave away all his fine clothes to a poor man and dressed himself in rough clothes with sandals and a staff. Think of uh, Peter, James, and John, Andrew, leaving the nets behind, following the Lord. a sense. same thing in Natius; He's leaving his, his armor and his sword, and he's going to begin a new life. But that wasn't enough, though. Um, traveling to Barcelona, he stops um, in Manresa Mon- and he stays in a cave. He was only going to stay there for a couple of days. He ended up staying there for like 10 months. And this was a time of true, like, spiritual torment and turmoil for him. Um, a lot of guilt, shame. Um, just the Lord just put him through the ringer during these, these 10 months. But out of these 10 months, um, a couple of beautiful things came out of it. Um, something you may have heard before is uh, the spiritual exercises of, of St. Ignatius spiritual exercises are kind of like can be a military guy kind of a boot camp a spiritual boot camp uh, where you imagine yourself in different um, uh, scenes with Christ and different things you reflect on and think about uh, and it, they, it's like a 30 day retreat it's supposed to be and to this day Jesuits before they make their final vows do a 30 day retreat uh, we have priests in our diocese who have done that I don't think I could go 30 days silent, and who knows? Maybe someday I'll do that. Um, so the spiritual exercises came out of his 10 months of, of prayer and, and inner turmoil and, and um, wrestling with the Lord, uh, as well as part of the spiritual exercise. What I'm going to talk about tonight are the rules for discernment of spirits, rules for the discernment of spirits, and so. Uh, we, we owe a depth of gratitude to, to St. Ignatius for going through all this and just um, in his closeness, relationship with the Lord, uh, this beautiful uh, kind of, um, I would say, process for basically what he calls them, the rules of the servant. Uh, we're blessed with that today. So the basis is that the soul is moved by diverse spirits. Which it is important to discern in order to follow the good spirits and to repel the bad. And so the, the, the rules, um, the first ones are suited for the souls less perfect and the others for those who are more perfect. So I gave you a handout. Um, I might refer to that here and there. Uh, in the handout, the rules that are on here are more kind of um, summaries. I might, rule, I might read and speak from exactly what he wrote, a uh, more literal translation. Um, so that's what's on the handout. But it's important to realize we'll go through these initial principles. I think it's helpful. The first premise is that God loves us and wants a deep friendship with us. He's active in our lives. Since he is our creator and has a plan for our lives, he cares about our decisions Saint Ignatius gives us rules to help us develop this friendship and to make good decisions. Following God's plan keeps us spiritually healthy. Okay. So knowing our relationship with the Lord. Second, that God's will is something we can know. But here's a caveat. We cannot be sure that we know it perfectly. We always need to be humble. But I need to say, well, when it when it's like between like sin and not sin, like we know for sure, all right? Um, but a lot of our choices are between various goods. Or, and we have to do our best, but in the end we kind of have to offer that to the Lord, like, all right, I think that was what you wanted. But we kind of admit um, that we, we don't have absolute certainty. And the third thing he says is we're capable of doing God's will once we properly discern it. Learning to interpret our feelings slash emotions is one of the best ways to discern God's will for our choices in life. St. Ignatius believed that God deals directly with us. He works in our minds and our feelings. And so discernment refers to the process of making decisions. And we'll go down to key terms now. Spirits. So these are movements of the heart. All right? When you talk about spirits, um, movements of the heart, stirrings of the heart, joy, sadness, hope, fear, peace, anxiety, etc. And so to discern spirits... Is the process by which we distinguish between different kinds of spiritual stirrings in our hearts, identifying those that are of God, all right, and those that are not. It seems pretty clear. The ones that are of God, we want to uh, we want to follow those spirits. We want to acquiesce to those spirits. If they are of the evil one, we want to reject those spirits, etc. And the important thing is to realize. Just because something feels good, this is what we're going to get at, doesn't mean it's up God. Feeling good, those things, that can also be from um, the evil one. Right? And also, this is important when we get to this point, um, evil spirits, good spirits, we're not, I think sometimes we can get overly spiritualized, like this is the devil one, like devil's like directly with us, you know, tempting us right there. But the evil spirit is, demons are we only, we, Tendencies, it can be, spring from egoism, disordered sensuality, uh, individuals who can lead us away from God to some extent, and bad worldly thinking. So it's anything that's leading us away from God. And that can be disordered passions, that can be um, just anything that's leading us away from God. Um, The part realizing that the world's broken, we experience brokenness of wood. Good Good spirit, God, angels, theologic. Theological virtues implanted in us from baptism, influences for good saints, family members, good friends, the Bible, catechism, other good books. Okay, so we have those key terms. Um, and then at the top of that second column, this is what is important to realize: is we have to first be aware of the stirrings of our heart. So many people are so busy; they fill their their lives with just noise and information. And they just go according to their passions, what they're feeling. Being aware is about taking time in silence, actually. Okay, being able to reflect, um, being able to think about: Are these what I'm feeling truly good? It's about responding. Responding is an intellectual thing versus just reacting. Some people just just fly through life, and it's just it just it's just crazy, guided by their passions. Second part, to understand those stirrings. Reflect on the stirrings and notice what is from God and what is not. And then finally, to take action. To accept and to live according to what is of God and to reject and remove from our lives what is not of God. Becoming aware, being able to reflect, take time in silence, noticing what's happening in me, being aware of that, understanding it, and then acting. So it's one thing to be aware, understand, and then just not do anything. No, Um, at some point, we have to um, act. So now to the rules for discernment of spirits. The first one. The first and the second are so very important. The first rule. In the persons who go from mortal sin to mortal sin, the enemy is commonly used to propose to them apparent pleasures, making them imagine sensual delights and pleasures in order to hold them more and make them grow in their vices and sins. In these persons, the good spirit uses the opposite method, pricking them and biting their consciences through a process of of reason All right. so think about that the objective matters you first have to determine a person has to determine okay what is my state am I pursuing virtue am I doing good or am I in the state of sin and pursuing sin so if we're in the state of sin going from mortal sin to mortal sin you know we can't just say follow your heart <laughs> can't just say love is love Okay, we can't just say if it feels good, do it. That's so important. So often, you'll, you'll, you know, people, we've, we've seen pe- you know, things on the news, right, of people leaving their spouses because, you know, they, they fall in love with someone else. And they think it feels good. Like, okay, that's, yeah, it might feel good, but that's because it's the evil one wanting you to do that. Um, so the objective matters. Um second rule, which is the opposite consideration. Well, let, let, let me go back to that first one to emphasize the fact that in those those people that are going from mortal sin to mortal sin, their conscience is still working, but a lot of times they try to repress it. How many times have you been around someone and um, maybe you, you kind of question what they're doing with their life and they say, oh, don't make me feel guilty. <laughs> or, you know, um, you don't make me feel guilty, you know, like, as if it's you're the one that, no, I have to say, like, we're free to do what we want, but we're not free from the consequences. Like, we have to live with our conscience, depending on what we do. And it's the Lord, it's the good spirit, so to speak, that when someone is moving from sin to sin, that is pricking them, telling them. So, if you're a person, if a person's in that state, they're going to feel good at times in the sin, that's the evil one saying, yeah, yeah, keep, keep living the way you are. But at the same time, there'll be the pricks coming. That's from the Lord. That's from the Lord. And so in that first rule, we're going to want to say that that person in that situation, you want to reject the, the, the pleasure, the, the good feelings, because that's from the evil one. And you want to respond to the pricks and the stirrings because that's of the Lord. Okay, second rule. In persons who are going on intensely cleansing their sins and rising from good to better in the service of God, our Lord, it is the method contrary to that in the first rule. For then it is the way of the evil spirit to bite, sadden, and put obstacles, disquieting with false reasons, that one may not go on. And it is proper to good, to the good to give courage and strength, consolation, tears, tears, inspirations, quiet, easy, and putting away all obstacles that one may go on doing well. So it's the opposite now. And someone who's doing good, it's the Lord if you're feeling the, the good sense of nobility. The good feeling. That's that's the Lord saying, you know, keep going. If you're feeling the, the kind of, um, the obstacles and it's it's hard and you're, you're feeling, you're thinking about what uh, the things that people might say about you, dah, 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 that's from the evil and so in that case, objectively, if you are pursuing virtue, pursuing good things, then you want to say, okay, the good feelings, that's from the Lord. If I'm feeling bad about it, that shouldn't be like, oh, okay, this, this is hard and it's a burdensome and I'm not feeling good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and go back to my old way No, <laughs> it's a matter of then rejecting those those um, obstacles and rejecting those the the things that are trying to get you to go off that path. I'm going to go into more depth, but there's an example of St. Therese of the Zoo. Uh, The night before her vows, she had this great doubt whether she should go ahead with it, right? So, she's someone pursuing virtue, da-da-da, yet in that moment it's uh, she's feeling these 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 temptations, these attacks to to doubt and to not go on uh, with what she was going to do. All right, using discernment spirits—that's the evil one <laughs> getting her, try to um, not pursue something that was objectively good. So the first two two rules very important: the objective thing. Um, someone who is going from. Um, sin to sin, it's the evil one that wants to keep them on that path. Why? It's the good spirit, it's the Lord, prodding, pricking them. The opposite in the second rule: if someone is pursuing virtue, the Lord is the one that you know is giving them the good experiences. But if they're experiencing hard, difficult things, that's from the evil one. And you gotta you know persevere through that. Okay. Rule three: we're gonna get into what he calls. The words consolation and desolation. Who here has heard of consolation and desolation? You've heard of those terms. Okay? So, what are these about? So, spiritual consolation. St. Ignatius says, I call it consolation when some interior movements of the soul is caused, through which the soul comes to be inflamed with love of its creator and Lord. And when, and, When it can, in consequence, love no created thing on the face of the earth in itself, but in the creator of them all. Likewise, when it sheds tears that are moved to love of its Lord, whether out of sorrow for one's sin, or for the passion of Christ our Lord, or because of other things directly connected with His service and praise. Finally, I call consolation every increase of hope, faith, charity, and all interior joy which calls and attracts to heavenly things and to the salvation of one's soul, quieting it and giving it peace in its creator and Lord. So consolation, term for kind of those, those good feelings, those uh, things that are encouraging, um, those uplifting things that draw us closer to the lord okay? That's consolation. I hope all of us can think of times in our life when we experienced um, consolation. The important thing is to remember that um, these consolations are good, but recognizing that they come from God, they're a gift from God. Um, To remember them, uh, maybe even the journal, because we as humans, we have short memories of the good things, the consolations, right? Because there is going to be a time, our times, where the opposite is the case, and that's what desolation is. So this is the fourth rule of St. Ignatius. Spiritual desolation, I call desolation all the contrary of the third world, such as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to things low and earthly, the unquiet of different agitations and temptations, moving to want of confidence, meaning lack of confidence, without hope, without love. When one finds oneself all lazy, tepid, sad, and as if separated from is creator and Lord. Because as consolation is contrary to desolation, in the same way the thoughts which come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts which come from desolation. So it's the, the opposite, and I'm sure we've all experienced times of desolation. One important very thing to realize right here, and we'll go into it a little deeper, is that just because you feel desolation doesn't mean you're far away from God, doesn't mean you're in sin, doesn't mean you're, you're, you're sinful, okay? We'll get to, there's three kind of causes of, of desolation. Um, but it's not necessarily sinful. I think a great example is Mother Teresa. Um, she does all these great things in her life. She just looks like, wow, she's so joyful, did a great job. Then when she dies, they publish her diary. And, um, Come Be My Light, I think is what it was uh, titled. But in her diary, it reveals a profound desolation for almost 50 years of her life, right? And she wasn't sin- <laughs> sinning, you know, during that time. No, it was, you know, we'll get to it. A mysterious reason would say that God allowed her to experience that desolation during her life, right? But she was as close um, to God as anyone has been recently I would argue um. even go back to the point of thinking about Christ and the cross we would have said that's as Christ always had in union with, with, with the father he said in a sense the beatific vision but in that moment he, in a sense he removed himself from the pleasure of that relation with the God and experienced desolation in his human side So dealing with desolation, this is important. (laughs) In time of desolation, never make a change, but to be firm and constant in the resolutions and determination in which one was the day preceding such desolation, or in the determination in which he was in the preceding consolation. Because as in consolation, it is rather the good spirit who guides and counsels us. So in desolation, it is the bad. With those counsels, we cannot take a course to decide rightly. All right? So if you are feeling down, if things aren't going well, all right, that is not the time to change. Little things. If you make, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my weekly holy hours you know, at the chapel. And you know, you're having a bad day, da-da-da. Um, Things aren't going your way, uh, I'm just not going to go. Like, no, that's not a time to make a change in your commitment to something. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, and a priest referenced a priest who was a vocation director of a diocese. Like, me, a vocation director. And this vocation director said something very good. He said, don't you dare tell me you're leaving the seminary in February. Why? Because February is long, it's, it's cold, it's, you know, um, for guys, maybe there's, you know, Valentine's Day comes around, you know, you get lonely, okay. Don't tell me as a vocation you're going to leave the seminary in February, right? Um, you're in a state of desolation, okay? And that's not a time to make a, a radical change in your life. Very, very important. Same thing with getting married, all right? People get married, they're engaged, and, you know, at the end, maybe there's... You know, things just aren't going well in someone's life, and maybe it is uh, just for some reason the Lord's allowing it. That's not a time to decide, oh, I'm not going to marry her, just for, for a reason of how you're feeling. So don't make radical changes when in desolation. I'm going to skip to um, uh, Rule 7. Rule 7 is, Let him who is in desolation consider how the Lord has left him in trial in his natural powers, in order to resist the different agitations and temptations of the enemy, since he can be with the divine help, which always remains in him, though he does not clearly perceive it, because the Lord has taken from him his great favor, great love, and intense grace leaving him however grace enough for eternal salvation in a word you know be brave and trust that the lord is with you even in that desolation that's what mother teresa was able to do that's why she wasn't fake when she was still smiling and being joyful she still knew deep down inside even though she didn't feel it that she was near god and god was with her and god was she didn't she didn't feel it she didn't but she knew god was still pleased with her because objectively she was doing what she was. And she had that she could still have that joy and that knowledge. Rule eight. Let him who is in desolation labor to be in patience, which is contrary to the vexations which come to him. And let him think that he will soon be consoled, employing against the desolation the devices, as is said in the sixth rule. Okay. So in a sense, be patient. Knowing that this too shall pass, um, I I don't remember necessarily seeing this, but someone brought up the fact in uh, <clears throat> the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings, one of those movies. You know, they're going through this deep uh, woods. Things are scary. Things are difficult, and they they get to go up on a mountain, and then they can see, oh, the woods, the woods are 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 almost ending. Okay. <laughs> And so they knew that if they got, okay, it's a little further, they'll get through it. That's important to realize in life, like, this too shall pass. Everything when we're in the moment, right, is so acute, and it's just like, you know, I had some moments with that in the last couple of weeks, and it's just like, remind myself, okay, this too shall pass, we'll get through it, and uh, we'll we'll move on, and and things will be okay. Rule 9. Three principal reasons why we find ourselves in desolation. Okay, So the first is because of our being tepid, lazy, or negligent in our spiritual exercises. And so through our faults, spiritual consolation withdraws from us. So it can be our fault that we're in desolation. All right? We're lazy. Um, we're lukewarm in our faith. I was even thinking, even physical, even physical desolation can lead to spiritual desolation. If you're not eating right... You're not sleeping well. Um, I was, so I was typing this up, and then it was like, you know, I haven't worked out in a while. <laughs> I, I would kind of use it as motivation this afternoon to actually go, go work out in, in the garage. Um, because physical desolation can lead to spiritual desolation. So we need to take care of ourselves as well. The second um, desolation comes to us to try us to see how much we are and how much we let ourselves out in his service and praise without such great pay of consolation and great graces all right so it's easy to to praise god when things are going well it's hard to praise god when things aren't going well in a sense it's a scrimmage it's a, it's a test you know when desolation comes, are we truly faithful Uh, The saying, "It's easy when it's easy; it's difficult when it's difficult." Uh, It's God wants us to love Him for who He is, in His purity, in His, in His, in His, um, in His His being, and not just like for the good things we get from them. Same things on you who are parents, like. When, you, know, you know, there are times when the kids are just coming up here because you've know you you've given something. They're being nice because you're going to give them something versus actually being around you because they love you. <laughs> or, or they come up and they're so nice and, and you're like, okay, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> what do, what do you want? There's, there's something more uh, than just you uh, being so nice to you. And then the third um, is to give us true acquaintance and knowledge that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to get or keep great devotion, intense love, tears, or any spiritual consolation, but that all is the gift and grace of God our Lord, and that we may not build a nest in a thing not ours, raising our intellect into some pride or vain glory, attributing to us devotion or other things of the spiritual consolation. So we learn humility and desolation. We realize, I can't control necessarily how I'm feeling in these times. And so it's all on God. I, I pour myself up. I, I offer Him my poverty. I love that idea. Um, offering God our poverty. That, that widow outside of the treasury. She puts in her two coins. Everyone puts in all this other money. And Jesus says, she put in more than everyone else. Because she gave from her poverty. That's what God wants from us, is Our poverty. Our lack of control, our lack of certainty, our our weaknesses—just our lack of being able, you know, look back and say, "I thought I made the right decision, but I don't know." Lord, I, I give it to you. Um, that's our poverty, and that that's what desolation helps us know—that humility. Um, also, it helps us realize we don't know what we have until it's gone, sometimes, or we we have the possibility of losing it, and so we don't realize the great graces that. Consolation can be uh, in the times, unless there's times when we experience desolation. Rule 10, quickly, let him who is in consolation think how he will be in desolation, which will come after taking new strength for them. In a sense, prepare okay? When you're in desolation, drink from that oasis, okay? Remember it, as I said before. Maybe write it down, um, remember it. But then you have to realize, okay, I can't live here. It's a transfiguration. Peter, James, and John go up on the mountain. And, and Peter's like, This is great, God. Let's build some tents. We're just going to. I'll just stay here forever. And Jesus' is like, No, we've got to go down from the mountain. The next life is when we get to live in consolation, live on Mount Tabor, live uh, on top of the mountain forever. But this life is going, in a sense, through the desert. But we have to use those times to prepare. Of rule 11, let him who is is consoled see to humbling himself and lowering himself as much as he can, thinking how little he is able for in the time of desolation without such grace or consolation. Again, learning humility. On the contrary, let him who is in desolation think that he can do much with the grace sufficient to resist all his enemies, taking strength in his Creator and Lord. So in the time of desolation, Realizing I don't have this nat- all these natural kind of good feelings, but it's trusting that the Lord will help me through. His grace is enough, and His grace meaning not necessarily great feeling, not really even really being able to sense it or see it, but knowing that He's with me and somehow He's going to help me through. Okay, that's um, important to realize uh, when in the times of desolation. Okay, I'm just going to do two more quickly. Um, St. Ignatius says The enemy acts like a bully or a bratty child in being weak against vigor and strong of will. Because, as it is the way of the bully or the bratty child when he is quarreling with some man to lose heart, taking flight when the man shows him much courage, and on the contrary, if the man losing heart begins to fly, the wrath, the revenge, and ferocity of the bully or bratty child is very great, and so without bounds. In the same manner, is the way of the enemy to weaken and lose heart, his temptations taking flight, when the person who is exercising himself in spiritual things opposes a bold front against the temptations of of the enemy, doing diametrically the opposite. And on the contrary, if the person who is exercising himself commences to have fear and lose heart in suffering the temptations. There's no beast so wild on the face of the earth as the enemy of human nature in following out his damn, damnable intention with so great knowledge. If you give an inch, you do want to take a, a mile. Scripture says, James says, resist the devil and he will flee. Again, standing up to the evil one and, his, and the evil one will flee I also think it's important, uh, in the sense of being on edge. We always need to be on edge. We always need to be in the game, focused. There's that time with David when he, he um, succumbs to committing adultery with Bathsheba. That wasn't the first problem. The first problem was the beginning of that chapter, chapter 11, where it says, at the time of year where kings are out doing battle, David stayed home. Okay, He wasn't engaged in the battle he wasn't on edge. He wasn't focused. And that's when um, he succumbed to that temptation uh, with Bathsheba, which led to ultimately killing uh, Bathsheba's um, husband as well. This next one is very interesting. Okay. And this is where I get St. Therese. 13. Likewise, the evil one acts as a licentious lover in wanting to be secret and not revealed. For as a licentious man who, speaking for an evil purpose, solicits a daughter of a good father or a wife of a good husband, wants his words and persuasions to be secret. And the contrary displeases him much, when the daughter reveals to her father or the wife to her husband his licentious words and depraved intention, because he easily gathers that he will not be able to succeed with the undertaking begun. In the same way, when the enemy of human nature brings his wills and persuasions to the just soul— He wants and desires that they be received and kept in secret. But when one reveals them to his good confessor or to another spiritual person that knows his deceits and evil ends, it is very grievous grievous to him because he gathers from his manifest deceits being discovered that he will not be able to succeed with his wickedness begun. It's about bringing things to the light. Right? Not keeping a secret to yourself. Um. When I I have a priest fraternity and we meet together every so often, and one of the things we each do is during our time, as we say, um, I have you know I haven't been involved in in any inappropriate communication with with any woman. Um, I haven't been you know any real addictive you know behavior. Um, there's a couple other things we say like that. It's like, okay, because you've got to bring it to the light if there's any sort of you know, temptations that are coming in that way. And then St. Therese speaking again. So, this is what she wrote in the story of a soul. And the eve of the great day, instead of being filled with the customary sweetness, my vocation suddenly seemed to me as an unreal as a dream. The devil, for it was he, made me feel sure that I was wholly unsuited for life in the carmel and that I was deceiving my superiors by entering on a way to which I was not called. The darkness was so bewildering that I understood but one thing. I had no religious vocation and must return to the world. I cannot describe the agony I endured. What was I to do in such a difficulty? I chose the right course, deciding to tell my novice mistress of the temptation without delay. I sent for her to come out of choir and though full of confusion, I confessed the state of my soul. Fortunately, she saw more clearly than I did and reassured me completely by laughing frankly. <laughs> she <laughs> laughed at her story. The devil was put at an instant to flight by my humble avowal. What he wanted was to keep me from speaking and thus draw me into his snares. But it was my turn now to ensnare him, for to make my humiliation more complete. I also told you everything, my dear mother, and your consoling words dispelled my last fears. So the novice master just laughed <laughs> because she brought it to the light, and it, it, it went away. It's so important. Um, so it's so important that we shouldn't be afraid to bring things to light, especially if there's things that are, 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 um, are bringing us in the wrong way, um, bringing us down the right, wrong path, to bring them to light. That's why confession is so good, right? Um, Confession is bringing things to light so the Lord can can work on it and and help them. Uh, So those are the rules of the discernment of spirits. By St. Ignatius, um, I think uh, there's so much good in there. Uh, I'll mention some books. Um, This one is called Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits. It's written by Dan Burke. Um, I have a lot of respect for Dan Burke. He does really good things. Um, there's another book, probably the classic book on discernment of spirits, is by Timothy Gallagher. All right, he's a priest. He even has one called um, Discernment of Spirits in Marriage, for marriage. So for married couples, I think that would be a great thing to read. Um, so he uses like, real-life examples that he dealt with for like each of the rules to kind of flesh out what the rules look, out, look like. Yeah, so that's, that's all I have as far as a presentation. But uh, any kind of questions, any clarifications of any of this? Any um, comments? Any ones say, like, yeah, Father, you know, I, I think that you know, makes sense. Or maybe you have an experience of one of these rules that uh, came to mind when I was speaking. Is uh, St. Ignatius on point, do you think? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is basically no, you know. Yeah, it was his own prayer life and that time for ten months and kind of just is this uh intense retreat. Um yeah, I don't think I mean he he read some books. Um but uh like, when he was in bed, he, he, he believed, like, I mm-hmm. want to do great things, too. But this this is more, I think, more div- divinely inspired, the Lord working in his own prayer and reflection uh, to do this. Because, you know, he was, yeah, he, he started this order. And so many, many holy men have learned from him. Uh, but, yeah, it was mainly he was the start of this. Good question, Lord. That is I think I don't have any questions because no. you, you explained it so well. Okay. You know, okay. okay. Thanks. <coughs> yeah. Thanks. That. Yeah. But yeah, they can even go much deeper than what I did and there's a lot of different um, things. I hope that handout you can use, but I'd encourage you to get those books and take those to, to prayer. I don't know, might be my book of the month for June for our, our Adoration Chapel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, is there Yeah, very good question. Um, what was the question? She's asking if there's a simple prayer to say when you you, you experience you know the lies from the evil one or attack from the evil one um, I would just I, I think there's probably you know a short like formal prayer you could say. Not, nothing's really coming right to my mind, but just saying the truth. So saying, no, I'm a I'm a daughter of God. That's a lie. You know, I'm re- I'm rejecting um, this is, a, you know, refuting it with what the truth is. So I think that's that's part of it is recognizing if it's lies, if it's any sort of condemnation, that's always from the evil one. Whereas uh, conviction, even when the Lord pricks us and stuff, it's not a con- condemning type prick or stirring. It's it's more of like a, a good shepherd <laughs> prodding his, his sheep or a good 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 coach, you know. Um, Sometimes you got to get on your players, but it's not going to be a condemnatory... Steve? Uh, in regard to that, uh, isn't there a principle where we can take authority over the demons that are harassing us? Well, yeah. Everyone has authority that can do that over whom they have authority. We all have authority over ourselves. So, so, yeah. so, so, so even, you know, going back to asked is you can say like especially in the name of Jesus jesus name is powerful in the name of jesus you know i i renounce you you know get away from me um, that type water. of thing what's that holy water. holy water sacramentals are great yep. um, and also to, to remember and to say like no I've been washed by the precious blood of Christ you know through my baptism and, uh, to ask for that uh, ask for our, our uh, the protection of the angels yeah, sacramentals holy water is great Yes, Jen. So, when I took this class with Dan Burke okay. and uh, my stepdad and when we talked about renouncing the baskets, but they also said that when you renounce the baskets, you need to invite the good to say, I renounce the Son of the spirit of uh, anger, tre- anger, depression. But have patience come over something. And or then finance. You have to say, though, can I ask God no. okay. to fill you know, i like the office. Yeah, forgiveness. Or, yeah, or yeah. I think guy, it's like, they said, it's like, when they talk about the spirit, you kick the spirit on your head, and then they find it vacant, 7 more yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Make sure. <laughs> so I have a question, can you, uh... Peter. The, the, the mind psychologist mind. here, so, uh, why do we have spiritual desolation? Why does that allow to experience that? Yeah. To it a bit just to give it a so the three let's see if we can add any more. Um, one, it can happen because we're causing it. <laughs> we're feeling bad because we're eating too much ice cream, we're staying up. We're you know, we're we're we're, we're flipping through Facebook and Twitter just, you know, we're not getting done what we should. Right? You're you're gonna feel crappy doing stuff like that. Um, so that's the first one. The second is to try us, to test us. Um, scripture talks about, I think it was even in today's, uh, one of the hours that, um, one, like, our father, um, God the Father tested Abraham and Isaac, you know. Um, in Hebrews said, what father is there who does not discipline his, his kids? Uh, so that's sort of a test, you know. Uh, faith, um, your faith is being tested so that's much more important and valuable than than gold that's being tested in fire um, so for, for us to because faith again is believing without seeing it's, it's this entrustment of self and that only happens when things aren't going well we have, to, we have to be trusted, we have to be stressed we are stretched, we have to exercise faith for it to grow so that would be a second and the third one um, is more, I would say, directly, you know, from the from the Lord in that um, for us to grow in humility, um, that it's easy to be faithful when I am feeling good and driven to, you know, do things for the Lord. It's hard when I don't feel like getting up and praying. It's hard when I'm not getting anything out of prayer, when I have to go to Mass and you know, it's difficult with the kids or stuff, okay? Um, so, he allows that desolation to know that we can't earn, we can't, like, get consolation ourselves. That's a gift. Maybe, maybe that's probably the third one, Peter, to, to summarize, is that consolation is not something... And, and, I mean, we can, we can force ourselves into desolation by being lukewarm, temperate, sinful but we can't necessarily force ourselves into consolation and that's, that's a gift that's something, a grace that we have to be able to receive and when we're in desolation that third reason it's so that to teach us humility that hey don't get too, uh, too uh, high on your horse you know type of thing Like uh, I, I give you what is those graces and you need to trust in me and be thankful uh, to me for them rather than thinking you can do it all yourself. I think the surrendering of being is a good uh, yeah. rule of faith to, to say. Yeah. That's the, um, um, what Ignatius, I think, talking about being patient, and then, yeah, the humility part. Yeah. Um, Peter just in this book uh, Dan Burke says a little more Desolation is the bitter antidote To this dangerous temptation To see ourselves as the captain Of our ship and master of our own destiny In our reflection On the second reasons we touched on the reality That without him we are nothing And really deserve nothing In fact the only thing any living soul has ever earned On their own is hell This kind of reflection and corresponding recognition Leads us to humility And to cry out to him as our only true hope of salvation. So it's to help us know that he is the source of all that is given. desolation? Um... Yeah. No, I, I, there is definitely a distinction. In a sense, can be related, right? If someone's in depression, they're going to feel that desolation. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be hard for them to experience times of consolation. So it's definitely related, um, but not definitely the you know identical... Um, I'd have to think longer about how exactly they're they're related. But important to realize, too, like, consolation, desolation isn't necessarily determined by our state of our soul, right? Um, Just because you're feeling bad doesn't mean you're um, in a state of sin or away from the world. Anyone intrigued enough by this that they want to look into it more or read more? Maybe a little bit? Okay. I think even, even those first two rules are good because we deal with people all the time that talk about that way. Like, you know, oh, you know, I, I met my soulmates, and so this is what I'm going to do with my life. But no, I need to judge whether that's actually the right path. Or don't make me feel guilty. Making you feel guilty. That's your choices are making you feel that way. Got one more? Yeah. No, I was just thinking that I think the key uh, here is patience. Whether it's uh, whether it's the first or the second rule, is being patient through that whole thing and letting it work itself out. Well, this, yeah. this too shall pass um, you know to remember that the consolations that you had before um, and I think to also maybe recognize the reasons why too you know he's doing this the Lord's doing it to to help me grow in faith he's testing he's trying my faith exercising it but also helping me to be more humble <laughs> uh, to trust in it more that uh, I'm not in charge ultimately. You can just say a glory be and uh, you guys can continue to chat and stay as long as you want. There's uh, more food over here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy spirit, spirit. As it was to make in peace, and ever shall be the beginning is now, and of the The Lord be with you. And with your and Almighty God bless you, the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go Amen. Go in peace. Yeah, so invite your friends next time. Come by, Father Rich will be here. Uh, it's great for you I'm sure it, I mean I like to hear other people than myself too so Uh July 13th it's a Thursday